Welcome to Rock Harbor Church's channel on Sermon Audio. We hope this message is a blessing to you and helps you in your daily walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So please, settle in and grab your Bibles. Here's Pastor Brandon with this message. Father, thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to get together this, during this midweek, uh, kind of take a break from the world, uh, fellowship with one another, and then study your word. And so um, the topic farther tonight that we... we, uh, we uh, we ask for your help, we ask for your understanding, we ask for your patience and endurance uh, to give us in studying this specific topic, for it's very hard, Father, and we're having a difficult time. So bless us, help us understand so we can apply it. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, um, so what we're going to start with tonight um, in our uh, understanding spiritual warfare and understanding the, how the darkness comes against us. Uh, during this hour, is we're then going to look now how Satan incites persecution against believers. And the, the text we're going to use is Revelation uh, 2.10. So um, this is where I think um, the church growth movement, the seeker-friendly movement, the cotton candy version of Christianity that's been sold in America has um, totally... Uh, I guess, blotted this out as far as the teaching is concerned because um, I guess it is, it's not popular to talk about in just regular church services. And in fact, most churches won't highlight Christian persecution um, at all. In fact, uh, I think November, David, November's uh, Christian Persecution Day, isn't it? For We're going to have it on the 13th and... Uh, David's he's part of Voice of the Martyrs, and he's going to do a presentation for us on that day. And um, But, you know, that's the thing, is they won't even highlight this, because a part of the church growth movement was to exclude anything negative. So not only were they eliminating, you know, prophecy and current events and things like that, they were eliminating also persecution. So American... Uh, seeker-friendly movements never really talk about it. So now, here's what's starting to happen. As persecution is starting to ramp up in the United States, Christians don't know how to deal with it. They don't know how to handle it. And the first thing they do as a sign of knowing they don't know how to handle it is that they just comply. That's when you see the failure of the church in America not to educate their people on how to handle Christian persecution is because... They comply, and that's, I think, what we're going to continue to see uh, if the churches stay asleep on this issue and, and understanding how persecution works. Okay, so obviously there's plenty of examples in the Old Testament and New Testament of persecution of saints, but one of the quintessential uh, passages that I want to refer to is in the book of Revelation that refers to um, the church of Smyrna, and uh, I want to take you through this a little bit so you can get the nuances of how Christian persecution will come to you personally on your level, okay? So let's, uh, let's take this apart and parse it out and uh, glean what we're gonna learn about this. To the angel of the church of Smyrna, write, these things say the first and the last who was dead and came to life. Now, as you can see in the opening message that Messiah is giving to the church of, of uh, Smyrna is he is saying, I too have suffered as well. I was dead and I came back to life is the idea. 
And so Christ is relating as a sympathetic high priest to the persecuted church that I understand because I too um, suffered and died at the hands of persecutors. So um, that's how he introduces it. And then he goes, I know your works. I know your tribulation and poverty. Now, with those three aspects, he, Messiah, because he's omniscient and he's God, um, he knows what the Smyrna church has been doing. So the idea is God knows what you're doing as well. And then he knows your tribulation and he knows your poverty. Now, tribulation could be reference to persecution or it could be just how difficult life has become since you have become a Christian living in foreign territory. And poverty is another aspect of persecution in the fact that if, if you're part of this world, I mean, we're in it, but we're not of it, you know, but if you're, let's say you work at a company, okay? You're only gonna get so far up the ladder because your beliefs will hold you back, if that makes sense. So you will not be able to climb the ladder of success in this world system as high as you think you want to because to get to the higher levels, you will have to break your Christian values and morals and, and the values you hold. And most companies are like that today. You know, uh, I've talked to plenty of people that work for big time corporations and the corporations basically have told them, look, if you're not woke, if you're not practicing critical race theory um, in the workplace and diversity and, and inequality, sorry, um, diversity, equity, inequality, if you're not addressing those things, you're not going up the ladder. And that's just the way it is. And I don't care what professional uh, profession it is, you look at the scientific community, if you're part of the scientific community, you have to go with the leftist you know, ideals to be promoted, to have grants, anything like that. Same thing with uh, archeology, span um, you have to have grants. Um, and the only way you do it is you go along with the, the, um, what they say the narrative is. And all kinds of medical profession, same thing. If you don't comply, you lose your license, right? Education's the same way. You, you have to practice these woke principles. So what I'm saying is, even back in their day, they were held down because of their practice of Christianity. So what was happening in Smyrna was um, part of their persecution is they were cut off from society, cut off from being able to do business with anybody in that city. And the same would apply to even what happened to the Jews early on in Israel is they got cut off by their community. And so their economic level dropped significantly. And that is part and parcel of Christian persecution in the form of economic persecution. Christians typically don't make that much money comparative to the secular world. That's just the way it is. Um, think about... Think about the, the richest people in the world right now. So you got Zuckerberg, you got Bezos, Musk, Gates. Um, I don't see any of them as being solid Christians. In fact, they're not, right? None of them. Why is that? Because the system rewards itself. So one of the things you're going to have to get used to in your personal life, and it's very difficult because... If you have these secular dreams like, oh man, I'm, I'm going to be a millionaire and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and it's going to be awesome. Um, a lot of those will be dashed to pieces by the system itself because 
Do you not know that Satan knows who you are, he knows where you operate, and he's going to hold you down economically. You're just not going to get ahead. So that's a form of persecution of economics, and that's what Smyrna was suffering. So let's just say you're a business owner. Let's just say you work at a company. Your life in making money will be more difficult than the rest of the rest of people who don't know Christ, okay? Because the system is Satan's system. It's built not to reward those who practice godly morality. In fact, the system works towards those who, who practice immorality. The system works towards those who uh, lie, those who steal, and you know, ends justify the means. That's how the system works, and it operates so. And that's why you as a Christian are seeing people in the secular world that don't know God, but are doing far better than you economically. That's part of the program. It's hard to watch, because the, the, the thing that Satan wants you to start asking is, well, you serve God, how come your life is not blessed materially, right? Uh, because the neighbor is, and they don't even know Christ, and they're doing really well, and they seem to always land on their feet, and they always overcome a lot of things in this life. So, yeah, that's, that's part of economic persecution. Uh, and if you're not feeling that, you, you will at some point. Um, in fact, it's coming to a lot of people right now. Um, with the prices as they are. So that, that's a hard reality for a lot of people. It's a hard reality that economically you're going to be capped at some point in time. You're just going to be capped. And uh, that's, that's difficult. Anyway, he says, but you are rich. In the, in this, the, the rich in the sense not of the world's riches, but they're rich in the sense of uh, rewards that they will get for enduring the suffering that they're having to go through. And uh, um, this is, you know, one of the, the hopes that we have in suffering, that if we suffer well and we react well to suffering, then we will be rewarded for that. And so what you want to pray for is patience and patient endurance, long-suffering, during uh, times where you're, you're having to go through tribulation and, and problems in life. Because... If you manage it well, it's not going to be fun, but if you manage it well and you, you keep persevering and don't let it stop you, then you'll be rewarded. Now, I, I'll tell you, you know, going through difficult things, the persecution, um, it's not going to be easy for you. Um, you're going to have sleepless nights. You're going to be stressed out. You're going to have a lot of anxiety issues that's going to eventually affect your physical body, okay? You're going to have a lot of things coming your way. Um, uh, you're going to be short-tempered. You're going to be angry. You're going to be depressed. You're going to be sad. You're going to have all the emotions that you're going to go through, and you still have to get out of bed, and you have to keep fighting. Your dream life will get messed up. You'll have dreams of drowning, dreams of running from people, people chasing you, uh, you'll have um, terror, terror, night terrors, things like that. Um, a lot will hit you. And um, that kind of experience is not fun. I don't wish it on anybody, but it w does happen. And um, you will feel in many senses like you're drowning. You will feel in many senses like you're isolated. 
You will feel many senses that you're, you're, you have no one, to, no one to help you. It's not true. Those are lies, right? Those are lies. But those are the feelings you will start to have. So you'll stop eating, or maybe you'll overeat. One of the two will start happening. And, um, and then if not, if you're not careful, you'll, you'll go too far if you're not persevering, and you'll get into things that become coping mechanisms for you that will have more damaging effect for you. So you have to really be careful about when persecution happens because the whole intent of persecution is to destroy you and to see whether or not you will stand in faith in the Lord and persevere or whether he can collapse you. And that's what he's trying to, uh, to do is basically collapse you. So you have things like that, okay? So he goes, and I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Now, what you have to understand is this is a historical point that will happen, but let me bring it, I'll apply it to a contemporary understanding. So back then, the persecution was Jew on Jew, okay? This is early on in church history. The church was primarily Jewish. So what was happening here are the unsaved Jews that were part of the synagogues and the culture were persecuting the saved Jews in the church, okay? And because they had identified with Jesus, the Messiah. And so basically what happened is the society cut them off. You couldn't do business with them. They, they, they wouldn't even be friendly. You were not allowed in the synagogue. And so if you're not allowed in the synagogue, then no one's going to do business with you. That's just the way it is, okay? And, and so what, what, when Jesus says this, he says he knows the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews, the, those who say they claim they're the true believers. These were the Jews that were not believers in Messiah, but they claim to be true believers in Yahweh, right? But Jesus says they're not, but are a synagogue of Satan. It's Satan who are they're following. Remember, Jesus said that to the, the religious leaders, right? That your father is of the devil. Remember, they, they accused him of being illegitimate. And he, said, he goes, you are of your father, the devil. So, so this is the same thing he's saying again to that same religious group that's persecuting the Christians. And he goes, they're not following God. They're not following me. They're following Satan. Okay. So that was what was happening then. But how do I apply this today? It's this. When you live for Christ... And Paul mentions this to Timothy, that all who want to live godly will suffer persecution. So if you decide, you know what, I'm going to live for Christ. If you think your life's going to get easy, you're out of your mind. It actually will get harder when you live for Christ. When you get sold out for him, you're, just, you're going to live for Jesus. Things won't go well in this life. Okay? So what the, the primary thing, we talked to economics, but what this passage, this section is saying is this. You are going to get it from those who claim to be believers, you will get the most blasphemy from them. Okay? Those who claim to be Christians will be one of your number one persecutors. And if you broaden this out, you can broaden it out into even those who are Christians but are Laodicean, who are carnal, who are worldly, will be your number one persecutor based on this text. 
Yes, the outside world will persecute you. No doubt about that. But that's not what this text is talking about. It's talking about those who claim to be believers in God will be the worst persecutors of you. I know that's a hard reality, but I face it every day. My worst persecution doesn't come from the outside world. My worst persecution comes from inside the Christian, Christian world. They are vicious, they are ferocious, and they all name the name of Christ. They call you ad hominem attacks. They won't take me on theologically, so they just want to call you names. They are some of the most vicious people out there, and they hide behind their little internet, and they sit behind a computer screen, and they dog you, okay? And they will do the same to you, especially if you decide to give them the truth and live righteously. They will turn on you like a sheep-killing dog. The other thing you have to watch for in this situation are those who are plants by Satan. He'll plant them in your family, he'll plant them in your business, and he'll put them right in the church. And he'll put them on your staff as well. He'll put the plant right on your staff. That's how close he will get to you. Why? Because I've had to deal with it several times with Satan implanting people that didn't have the best intention. We're planning to ruin us. And he got, they got that close. Now, of course, uh, Messiah filtered them out because this is his church. And he will filter out whoever he needs to filter out. And he does. But let me explain this individual. These individuals have the spirit of Jezebel. Okay, they'll be in your family, they'll be in your church, they'll be in your Bible study, they'll be here right with us right now. These are our worst persecutors because you can't see them. They act like they are one of us. Now, I'm not saying they may not, they're not Christian, maybe they got saved, but they're not here for the right reasons. They're here for ulterior motives. They're here for their own agenda, they're here for power, and they're here for money. Okay? And they will worm themselves in. How is the Jezebel spirit work? Simple. They go in, become friends with people, and they do not give their either false doctrine or false methodologies or false visions or false goals that they have until they're in deep into friendships around everybody. And then after years or months, or whatever, how long it takes, they vomit. And they'll start vomiting out there around you. If it's in your family, they won't go to you. They'll go to your uncle, aunt, grandma, cousin, whatever, and they'll start attacking you from the peripheral and getting a posse against you. Okay, that's how it will work. And they will convince some, but they won't convince all, but they will convince enough who are gullible enough to believe their lies. Now, how, how, where have I seen that before? Well, in studying Satanology, that is exactly what Satan did when he rebelled against God. What did he do? The, Ezekiel 28 um, says that he trafficked uh, basically among the, the angels. He went, in, in, in essence, what the Hebrews saying is he went to every angel individually to convince them 
of his lies about Yahweh, okay? And he was able to convince a third, it appears, of his lies. So he, but two-thirds didn't believe him. So there's always a, a group that Satan will always convince to go against the truth. And the same thing will be true in your family. He will use one Jezebel spirit individual, whether they're Christian or not. Usually they're Christian, and they claim to know Christ, okay? And they claim to... Um, be sold out for Christ and all this other stuff, but they're actually not. Again, I'm not debating whether they're Christian or not. I'll just kind of take it on face value. I'll take on their profession. They profess to be Christians, okay? Let's just leave it at that. This individual is being used by Satan to come and destroy you and destroy your family. So what they will do is, again, they bide their time, bide their time, make friends, and then they use their friendship relationships to espouse their different views after a period of time, after they've established friendships. And then through that circle, they create what we call a posse or where we get the word in Greek, heretic. Heretic means that they they create factions with each other to come against the individual that Satan is targeting, okay? So if you're a part of the target, Don't be surprised if there's a posse that actually comes against you, a group. It'll be your family. It'll be your Uncle Joe, and it'll be Aunt Mary, and -and so-and-so. And that's who Satan has been able to convince to come against you, okay? So you're the target. So when he does that, then the spirit of Jezebel works, okay? And that's how they infiltrate. And when they infiltrate, the number one thing you have to rely on because sometimes you don't see it, is that when God shows you that, you must act quickly. You must get rid of them very quickly and move fast because you can't see them. But again, and, and you'll be blind to this, and this will make you mad. Is that I didn't expect that from that person. I didn't expect that from this person. This is my aunt, and Aunt Sophie has been always on my side. And Aunt Sophie will turn on you like a sheep-killing dog. You will not expect Aunt Sophie to do that to you, okay? Please understand, this is how Satan works. What's happened with Aunt Sophie and what's happened with Uncle Tom or Uncle Bob or whoever it's coming against you is forming a clan. They are either so immature or so wrapped up in their own sin that Satan has got a foothold in their life and he has literally made them crazy and they're doing something they think is a righteous act, and it's not. It's a very evil act, and he's convinced them otherwise. It's very, very diabolical, but it always goes after the immature and people who are entrenched in sin. That's how he gets them. He doesn't do it to mature believers, okay? He does it to the immature, to the worldly. And again, that's, that's who he uses is those entrenched in sin in their personal lives. You will never know that Aunt Sophie has a double life. You will not know it until it all comes out. They pretend to be one way, and behind the scenes, they're a completely different way. They're a devil behind the scenes. They have, they have ulterior motives. They have agendas. They're a power trip. They're authority trips. They're, they're money hungry. Whatever they want to do to get out of the situation, they hide that. And they hide it very well. 
so they will front in front of you as super spiritual, okay? They will front it. They're nice, they're kind, they're helpful, this, that, but they're hiding something, okay? And if you're mature enough, you sometimes can see through that, but sometimes they put on a good disguise and you can't see it, you can't see through it. So in a lot of those situations that I've encountered, God revealed them to me. I couldn't see it and he reveals it to me and then he expects me now go act now once he reveals it to me I have to act I can't sit on it I can't because he expects me and expects you once he reveals it to do something about the situation do not think that if he God reveals somebody to you that they're a Jezebel spirit that you sit back and that you have to then get proactive at that point in time. The more, the more room you give that person to operate, the more they will take. And I'm telling you, I've seen Jezebel spirits. I've went through it. I've talked to some of my other guys that, you know, like Sharam Hadian and some of the other guys, uh, even John Howler has mentioned to me uh, things that have happened to him and, and Jan Markell and, and all of them. Everyone I've talked to, has these stories that a posse was formed against them and with a Jezebel spirit to take them down. All of them have the same story. All you have to do is exchange the names. Now, my question then, I put it to you, have you went through that? Are you currently going through that? Or maybe you will go through it. So that's why it's important to understand the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews, the blasphemy of those who claim to be Christian or at least profess to be Christian, but are a synagogue of Satan. They are really following Satan, not God. That's what's happening to them. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Okay? Why? Because if you use the tools available to you, if you use his grace and mercy by coming to his throne of grace and mercy, Hebrews chapter four, he says, I will help you. I will help you in your time of need and I'll sustain you. I'll, you'll, you'll, you will be able to persevere through it all. Um, it won't be fun. It won't be fun, but you'll get through it and you'll survive. You might end up with PTSD when you're done but you still will survive it. And when you're going through that, this is not a time where you need to like go lock yourself in a closet. This is at a time that you need to reach out for help. You need to go get help, counseling, talk to other people. Don't isolate during this period of time because you won't get through it. It'll actually delay your healing process. So you have to reach out, get help. If you need medical help, go see a doctor, okay? Sometimes you need medical help when you're going through events like this because it's so severe and so stressful that you won't sleep. You'll have a hard time sleeping, right? You won't eat or you'll start overeating. All these other things medically start going wrong. With me, when I get stressed out because I have a bad intestines, I have irritable bowel and I have uh, celiac and everything you can imagine, my intestines go crazy, uh, going through things like this. I, I mean, it just, I can't hardly eat anything. It just tears me up. And, and um, you know, it, it just in, it incites all of it inside of me, right? You just, your body goes haywire 
because it, it, it can't take that kind of stress because these people are stressful on you. They'll literally kill you by the stress. So you're not to fear, but you've got to use the tools that are available to you. You can't isolate. You've got to talk to people, man. I mean, it's a big deal. And you have to be very proactive about that. He goes, indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation 10 days. Now, what, what he's saying here is that um, he's, he's pro, uh, you know, warning them that, hey, some of you are gonna go through some very difficult times. Like in this situation, they, some of them did get thrown into prison because of it. Um, but that you may be tested. Okay, so it's not temptation, but it's a test. What's the test for? Why are they being tested? Why do they need to be tested? So ask yourself this. When a Jezebel ring gets, it going, gets going against you, what's the purpose of that? What are you supposed to learn? God for strength? Yeah, yeah, and you got that. That's it, thank you. See, one of the things when you go through this kind of thing um, that you'll have like a form of PTSD, a mild form of PTSD, and here's what'll happen. You can't stop thinking about it. You actually want to stop thinking about it and you actually can't. Okay? It's just, what, it's, it's just part of the trauma. You can't stop thinking about it. So you, you can turn on the radio, you can turn on the TV, you can even pray, you can even read your Bible and you won't stop thinking about it. So what are you supposed to do? You can't go into this trying to blank out your mind. Okay? Just sweep it under the rug. Forget it. It's not happening. It is happening to you. And you do need to think about it. And the only way to process it is you need to think correctly about it and learn what he has shown you at the time. You will not stop thinking about it. When people just say, I don't want to think about it, and they bury it, that is a death knell to them. It will, it will crop up in some other area and absolutely destroy them later on in life because they buried it instead of getting it out and processing it. So the way you process things is you bring truth to the situation. So if you're going to obsess about it, which is part of PTSD, then you might as well obsess about how, how, how you missed it, how, how you didn't see it, or what you did to put yourself in that situation, right? How did you miss it? That's the number one answer. How did you miss that? How did you not see that? See, that's what part testing is, is to show you, you are blind in your area right here. You are dead blind and that's why you missed it. And there's a reason why you're blind, Brandon. And so the test, was to show you how blind you are because if you don't get this figured out, it will come again and hurt you again if you don't see it anymore. If you refuse to learn the lesson on this one, you will repeat the same pattern, Brandon. And so you must stop, assess, how did you miss it? What are you blind to? 
What are you blind to? I'll be honest with you. I, I know my blindness now after being tested. My blindness is those who come up to me and want to help me out of nowhere. That's my blindness because I've been doing this for, for yeah, ever since we started in 11 years. And, and you know, although those of you who are part of the core, we need all the help we can get, right? So I'm in a mode of I need all the help I can get. That blinds me to not seeing who really is here for the right reasons. I know it now, but not early on in my ministry. I couldn't see it. Because all I'm looking for is help. Who would deny that? Hey, Brandon, I'm here to help you. Great, jump on in. I need all the help I can get. I'm a one-man band when we started, right? But you can't see because they're coming to you in the guise of help. And then what happens if they're very proficient? I'll give them more. You see the trap? I can see it now, but I couldn't see it then. You want to help me, and you're very proficient. That blinded me. That blinded me. Okay? I've learned the lesson now, and I, I know the personality now. I can see the person now. I can smell it. I can see it 50 miles away now. I see it. I understand it. I know the personality. And that personality doesn't get too far with me. Why? Because ever since those things happened to me, we have been bombarded with that personality for the last two years. And it's like whack-a-mole. Constantly. Ask my staff. It's constant whack-a-mole with the people who try to get in here and disrupt what we're trying to do, who think they know Christ and think we're doing wrong and they try to change us. You ain't gonna last very long here. I've already been burned twice. I ain't getting burned again because I already know it. I know what that person looks like. They have the spirit of Jezebel. They're evil. They're wicked. And there's no turning. I don't care if they're a Christian. They can be a Christian and wicked at the same time. And they are. I'm telling you this out of my experience. But you must take it for yourself to protect yourself. They are coming after you. Satan is at war with you. And he wants to take you down. So I explain to you what I go through. What are your blind spots? Do you know what your blind spots are? How could they manipulate you? Because Satan is going to come as an angel of light to help. You know what your blind spots are? You, you know, you, you, let, me, let me explain mine so you can understand how deep you need to go. Why am I blind to people that want to help and are very proficient? It goes back to my childhood. It does take stress, alleviates stress, and I don't have to worry about it, but it goes back to my childhood. How, how does it go back to my childhood? Well, when my parents divorced, I basically had to uh, live with my dad, and I had to basically fend for myself since I was 11 years old. 
There was no safety net. So if I went to school and I forgot my lunch, there's no mama driving to the school to bring me my lunch. And there's no parents at home, really, that could help me with my homework. Okay? So a lot of the things I had to do were on my own. I had to fend for myself. I, was, I, I grew up too quick, honestly. I grew up too quick because I had to do everything. So I had, I had to pack my gear for school. I had to pack my gear for sports. All of it had to be there because no one's helping me. Now, don't, don't think I'm, I'm knocking my parents. I didn't live with my mom. I was living with my dad. My dad was working 12 hours a day. He was a house painter. It just is what it is, man. So I don't blame him for that. It's just how I grew up. But guess what that does? It gives me a proclivity. Because no one helps me. A weak spot that I have is it's amazing if someone would, would help me because I had very little of it. It's a weakness for me. So when so, someone does me a favor, it, 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 I can't hardly believe that because my whole growing up was spent on, you gotta, if you're gonna do it, you're gonna have to do it yourself. If you're gonna figure out this math equation, you're not gonna get help at home, you gotta figure it out yourself or whatever the, the situation was, right? Um, Colleges came around. I had to fill out my own college forms and stuff. I, I had to do everything. And again, it's not, it's, it's not being a victim. I'm just saying that gave me a weakness because then when someone wants to help me, it, it just floors me. I have a weakness towards that because I'm not used to it. But I know it now. I know my weakness now. And I know how to guard it and I know how to spot it. I'm telling you that because I went through four years of hell because of that. But I know it now. And Satan will never, never pull that stunt on me again because I was tested. And in the test, I learned my weakness and where it came from, and now I can guard it. That's what we're talking about as far as the test is concerned. If you go through something, don't go through it dumb. What do I mean? I just hope this is over. I hope this is over. I want to get past it. I don't want to think about it anymore. No, no, no. That's the wrong attitude. The attitude is, what is he teaching me right now? What am I not seeing? How am I blind in this? How come I chose this person and not that person? What am I not thinking? What am I not seeing? Because it's revealing a weakness and God's saying, I want you to get over because more is coming your way. More is coming. And the same is true for you. It's coming your way. You ever notice that, 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 that you, you, you know people that have been married several times? Have you ever noticed that, that after about the fourth or fifth wedding, um, that they've married the same individual five times to just they have a different name? What's that about? What, what's, what, why, why are all the spouses the same persona? They never learned. They never learned about themselves. And so they have, a, they have a problem in their people picker, right? And they never figure out. They always say, I don't understand why I attract these kinds of guys. You don't know why? You don't know why, the, or, or I don't know why I attract these certain girls, well, look a little deeper and you'll figure it out. But they never want to look any deeper. 
They just say, well, there's no good guys out there. There's no good gals out there. No, it's you. It's you is messed up. You're messed up. There's something you're not seeing. You're blind to this. And you, you have a certain, a certain um, deprivation in you that attracts you to whatever the cat brought in. Okay? It's, it's hard. It's a hard... Look, I, I've been there, done that. I understand what, 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 what's wrong, man. That's what testing is doing. So what is God trying to do? He's trying to help you. He's trying to help you. It's not fun, but he wants you to be guarded. He wants you to have discernment and know what's coming down the pipe so you don't ever make the mistake again. That's the idea of the testing is that you never make the mistake again. You guard, you're guarded. You can see. Okay. So he goes, and you will have tribulation 10 days. Now, then, yeah, some actually literally went to prison for 10 days. But when you look, actually, you, can, you have to apply this several ways. One is literally, many of them went to jail, okay? The other thing, uh, as far as church history is concerned, um, because that's how you have to study the churches, you have to study it in, in three broad areas. Um, 95 AD, personal application, and then church history. So in church history, what happened during this period of time were 10 official Roman persecutions. And that's where the... the, the 10 days comes from. There were 10 official Roman persecutions of Christians at that time in that era. And anyway, um, so that's the church history. But what about, what does that mean for you and I personally? Well, it means this, that there's a beginning point and an end point. Okay. So uh, when you see the word 10 in Hebrew, 10 um, in Geomatra has a, a, a significance, like the 10 commandments, right? You know, there's, you'll see tens all over the Bible. Ten means this in, in, in Gematria. It's one unit, one, one category made up of smaller categories. So when you see the, the number ten in anything and you read, it's referring to that on a spiritual level. There, so ten persecutions, ten days, means there will be an era of persecution and it will have 10 categories of it inside the one unit, okay? So that's actually what happened in church history. There was official persecution for all those years, hundreds of years. Okay, what does that mean for you and I? Well, then it means this, that God has a set unit, a unit of persecution that is for you. And it's made up of individual categories. And he's going to take you through all of that. But the good news is he has an, a beginning point and he has an end point for each one of them, okay? And that means that you will never have to suffer forever. It has an end point. Just like the tribulation, he says, if I had not cut the time short, no flesh would survive. And he cut the time short to seven years, right? So there's an end point. That's actually a, a measure of grace. And that's what God will do. He will, he, you say, well, how long do I have to go through it? as long as he has deemed you to go through it. And I'll tell you this, you will learn the lesson before the period ends. You will learn the lesson before the period ends. And, 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 and I want you to think about this. You're like, okay, I get it, I get it, I get it. I, I know what to look for, I know what to th- And it still continues, continues to go on. Why? 
Why does it continue to go on after you've learned the lesson and it continues? Because I want it to end once I learn the lesson. I thought, okay, I'm done so I can move on. But why does it continue? Pass when I'm done. Strengthening my faith, stretching you, maybe, what? Application. The application of it. Reinforce it, yeah. Yeah, you're not done till God says you're done, that's right. Because you, you think, okay, I've learned the lesson, this is what I look for, and he's saying, no, you don't understand. Um, this needs to go on for another year or two. And there's other aspects you don't know. You think you've learned the lesson, but you don't know. And it's actually going to take a little bit longer. So this is what will happen. You will put it behind your mind, and you won't think about it for a long time. And then what will happen, somebody will say something. Hey, I saw your ex-spouse the other day at uh, Costco. And you're like, I haven't thought about my ex-spouse in three weeks or a month. Why did you have to say that to me? But why did they? Because God's saying, remember, learn the lesson. And, he, and what he will do is if you, you try to keep putting it out of your head, he will keep bringing it to your attention. Because he is going to drill it all the way down. And you're not finished until he says you're finished. There's other things you need to learn. And so what you need to do is just keep persevering and let it be as it is. Just every time it pops up, boom, just deal with it. Deal with it. That's what God's wanting you to do. Deal with it. Because he's gonna keep bringing in other aspects, another aspect. Okay, did you think about this? Did you think about that? Did you think about this? And he, he has to let time do that to you. And then when he's done, he'll be done. But here's the thing. You are never to have spiritual amnesia, ever. That is wrong at what modern psychology teaches people. You, and even Christian counselors, I cannot believe it that they go to Christian counselors, well, just don't think about that. That's in the past. Paul said, uh, you know, forgetting the past, I press on. That's not what Paul was talking about. He wasn't pa- talking about that at all. But they'll use passages like that saying, well, just don't, don't think about it. No, no, you need to think about it your whole life. Now, why? Until the day you die, why? You're not done. You think once this life is over, you're done? You have the millennial kingdom to go into. And so all of this life until your very last breath is in preparation for you ruling and reigning, hopefully, with Messiah in the kingdom. And all the lessons you learned here are actually going to apply over there. So you're not done. You know, you think, well, I've learned a lesson here, so I'm good. No, 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 it's for the kingdom. You have to live in the kingdom after this for a thousand years. And you're supposed to rule and reign. So all the things you're learning now need to be applied at that period of time as well. And that's what will will lend you to certain positions that Messiah wants you to be in because of the lessons you learned here. Because guess what? In the millennial kingdom, you'll get the same kind of person. Again. But you'll be glorified. But you'll, you'll say... I dealt with that in my old past life, man. So I, I know what that person's like. Because you're going to be ruling and reigning over Gentiles. If you're Jewish, you're going to be in the Jewish uh, the land of Israel. But most of those Gentiles are going to be spread out to the world, ruling and reigning. And there will be Gentiles 
that secretly don't believe in Christ, but they're just marching in order because they're afraid of the rod. And you and I have to smell them out like a rat. Because we'll rule and reign over them. And what we're we're, going to have to know is who to trust, who not. And that's how we'll have to govern. So it's not just for this life. It's for the next you have to think about. Be faithful until death. And I will give you the crown of life. Now, again, the crown of life is not just simply for those who are martyred. James talks about this, that those who suffer well and persevere will get a crown. Now, what do I mean by persevere? Now, okay, you have to take, take the persecution, and you have, it's called fellowshipping with the sufferings of Christ. But it can't stop you, okay? It can't stop you with life. So when the Jezebel spirit came to me, what do you think Satan wanted to do with me? Shut me down and quit, right? That's what he's trying to do. Get you so discouraged that, yeah, these Christians are like that. That's the kind of, no, 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 not all Christians are like that. It's the ones that are Jezebels. That's who's like it. See, what Satan will try to do is do a broad brush approach with you. And say, yeah, see, it's not even worth having, uh, having this because they're all like that. They're all bad. And so when you broad brush, and, and one of the lessons you need to learn is in the test, who am I dealing with? Who am I dealing with? Because if you do a broad brush, all men are pigs, right? All women are witches, right? And some of you are nodding, I know. You're, you're, I, see, I see your heads. But you can't broad brush it because if you broad brush it, you're going to get in more trouble. That means if you broad brush, you didn't learn the lesson. The lesson is what type of individual did this to you? What type of individual are they? What are their personality traits? What is it about them spiritually? That's what you're not learning. That's what you have to single it out. Oh, it's this category of persons. Otherwise, you'll make a mistake and broad brush everybody, and then you don't want to do anything with anybody. And you isolate. And then he's got you again. So it's, 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 who is that individual? Who is it? What did I miss? How How come I didn't see it? And if you know that category and you can understand that category and where they're coming from, you won't miss it ever again. But you've got to learn the category. Don't broad brush. Anyway, uh, if I learn the category, then I'm like, okay, it's not all Christians. It's these particular ones right here. And so then I put them there, and then I can still minister to the rest of them. You see what I'm saying? Because Satan wants to broad brush. They're all like that. They're all like that. No, they're not all like that. That's a lie. They're not all like that. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Look, at it. Look how they treated you. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. No, no. He wants to erase the good you're doing. He wants to stop you from doing good. So broad brush. Broad brush. I'm, not gonna, I'm never coming back to church. I got burned one time. Wait a second. Time out. Who did you get burned by? 
What kind of person are they? What kind of Christian are they? And that's the person you need to avoid. Not all church ever. And I've heard that. So many, I got burned at church. I'll never walk again in another church. You're the fool then. You're the fool. You've got fooled. And what I mean by is Satan fooled you. Because you broad brushed. All churches are like that. No, no. You had a bad pastor, or you had a bad board, you had a bad eldership, or whatever. What, it was, what was unique about that situation? That's what you're supposed to learn, not saying all churches are no good. Now, now, now you're really in a mess, aren't you? Because now you're, you've excommunicated yourself from the body of Christ, and now you're on Satan's territory alone. Not good. He who has an ear, he is willing to hear what the Lord is saying right now, let me hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Now, now that's part of, of uh, that's just part of being a Christian. So why is that a reward? Well, it's a litotis is what it is in Greek. It's a litotis, which you, it's an ironic statement where I'm going to um, emphasize the negative to increase the positive. And what, what is the positive here? The crown of life. So he's basically saying, look, man, you're so far away from the second death because of this crown of life. That's not even on your radar. That's, that's how you describe a letotes in Greek. And that's what he uses here, a letotes. You will not be hurt by the second death because you're so far removed from it, you have this crown of life. It's not that you just got the heaven, you are rewarded. You're rewarded. And so that's what the Latotes do. Uh, put the emphasis on the negative to blow it up on the positive. It's like if I would say something like this, it's no small problem. What am I saying? It's a big problem, right? That's the Latotes. And that's what John's doing here. So uh, the reward is not that you're going to be not hurt by the second death. The reward is actually the crown that he's referring to in that sense. Okay, let me stop there with any questions you might have about this. Yeah, go for it. So we're getting a lot of online questions about what the spirit of Jezebel is. Ah, okay, spirit of Jezebel. So the spirit of Jezebel is an attitude. And sometimes that attitude is directed by a demon uh, who has got a foothold in the, in the person. So... Jezebel's spirit typically has demonic activity around them, okay? Typically, and probably, I would say the majority of time, okay? So the person has a foothold in their life from Satan or a, really a demon, okay? The foothold is typically, like we talked about, from sin. The person's in sin, has not repented, has not confessed it, and there's something going on. And because of that, Satan has got the beachhead in there, a foothold right there where that area is, and he's controlling them. So once he's got a beachhead, then he controls all of their body, all of their mind, all their soul as much as he can, as much as they allow it. So where this term comes from, it comes from the Bible, um, this Jezebel spirit. Now, let me read it real quick. In Revelation where you want to get the definitive thing about it is chapter... Where is... Pergamos. 
Okay. So in chapter 2 of Revelation, and it's the church of Thyatira, these, say, these things say the Son of God, who has eyes of fire, flame of fire, and his feet like fine brass. So this is a judgment church. He's judging them. It's actually the Catholic church, by the way. I know your works, your love, your service, your faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. Notice. You ready? Because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. I gave her a time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of her deeds. I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts. Um, and so what had happened in Thyatira is a woman with the spirit of Jezebel had infiltrated into Thyatira and had then taken a position of power in that church and authority and then was actually teaching. Let me see if I make, I got the word right. <clears throat> You allow, she's, she calls herself a prophet, to teach and seduce. So the woman in Thyatira wormed her way up into a position of leadership. And then she was actually teaching. And what she was teaching was uh, the Jezebel spirit. Okay, what's the Jezebel spirit? Okay, you have to go back then to the Old Testament to understand what Jesus is talking about. What did Jezebel do? She's Jezebel is King Ahab's wife, right? She's not Jewish, okay? Um, and she brings in these Phoenician, Canaanite gods, and it is the first time in Israel's history that worshiping of foreign gods became part of the state religion. Now, before then, Israel had went into idolatry, but it was idolatry towards Yahweh. Now, you know, for instance, like the golden calf. The golden calf was idolatry, right, in the desert, but it was a calf unto Yahweh, if that makes sense. It wasn't a, a calf unto a different God somewhere else. It was a calf unto God. And even, um, can't get the names. It's Rehoboam or Jeroboam. It went into the north. I always get the names mixed up. It was Jeroboam, that's right. So Jeroboam goes to the north, and he actually puts two calves up there in the north, okay? But the calves represented Yahweh. So there was idolatry, but it was Yahweh. So Jezebel then in biblical history is the first one to introduce idolatry to foreign gods. Okay? So what happens with a Jezebel spirit is they worm their way up like a Jezebel. She got into a position of being the queen, and then she introduces false religion, false theology, false methods, all kinds of just, just pagan ideas. Okay? And then she corrupted Israel through all of that. They put the Asherah poles up and they had this uh, to Baal and it was, you know, temple prostitution, the whole nine yards. So then what Jezebel did, if you study about Jezebel, once she's in a position of power, then she surrounds herself, herself with what? Who guards her? It's not Ahab. Ahab can't control her. 
You can't control her. She's out of control. She's the one the wearing the pants in the family. Okay? So then she surrounds herself with a type of man. Eunuchs. She's surrounded by eunuchs. What does that mean spiritually? In essence, these people that come against you will then have their posse of spiritual eunuchs surrounding them. What do you mean spiritual eunuchs? Spiritual eunuchs are those who do the bidding of false teachers, false Christians, false, they follow along and they don't question. They just go along and they actually protect the Jezebel in the situation. And so these people that you will see that have the Jezebel spirit that's being controlled by a demon to come against spiritual authority, like they went, they went against Elijah, right? She went against Elijah, tried to kill him, right? Wipe him out. Will be surrounded by her posse of spiritual eunuchs. Spiritual eunuchs, they're cowards. They're nothing but cowards, spiritually speaking. They may act tough, but they're nothing but cowards. They they never will face you face to face, ever. They never will deal with you one-on-one because they've been castrated by Jezebel. They are impotent spiritually, and usually they're men impotent men that can't control their wives. Impotent men who have an Adam syndrome and the woman has an Eve syndrome and they won't get it under control. And don't think for a moment Satan doesn't get a foothold into that and uses that woman as a Jezebel and uses that Jezebel spirit to go all the way to the top. The people that will cause you problems in your family will be the Jezebel with the spiritual eunuchs around them. And the spiritual eunuchs will try to stay neutral, but they're part of the the posse. Does that make sense? Okay, so what's the intent of a Jezebel spirit? To take over! To crush spiritual, real spiritual authority. To come after the person in charge. And if that's your family, who is the patriarch of your family? Not the matriarch. Who is the patriarch of your family? That's who she's going after. If you're at a business, who's the boss? Are you the boss? They're going after you. So it's an attack on all spiritual authority, whether that's in the home, the family, the church. It's an attack on spiritual authority to take the spiritual authority down because Jezebel only wants the authority, wants to be in charge, wants to be this, wants to be that, wants to have their name in lights. And so they have a spouse that's, a, that's a Ahab, useless as a bump on a pickle, and then they surround themselves with spiritual eunuchs to do the posse move. I hope that explains it. I've been around it. I can smell it. I can, I can see it. I, I know it like the back of my hand now, and it's evil. That's the Jezebel spirit. So the Jezebel spirit had worked into the church of Thyatira, and I'm telling you right now, 
we constantly get Jezebel spirits that we have to do whack-a-mole on because I'm not allowing it. I know what it looks like and I know what it feels like and so does my, I've trained my staff to know what it looks like and what it feels like and what it sounds like. I'm not tolerating it. But at other churches, they don't understand this because they've never been tested. And so you go to other churches and you will see Jezebels all over the place. And you can spot them on day one. Day one, you can spot them. If you walk in and you have that kind of discernment, you'll see the Jezebels all over the place. And what are they doing? Working for authority, trying to get authority, stabbing people in the back to get authority and higher positions. But, what, but, but what's the point? Take out the spirit, the real authority, exalt them in authority, and then give their false doctrine out. At the end of the day, they, she taught, right? Jezebel was teaching her, uh, the people, the Christians in Thyatira, to commit sexual immorality and idolatry. That's her game, is to get on top, usurp, and teach her stuff. That's what Jezebel. Okay, Questions? Yes, thank you. Um, I've, I've, I've noticed that um, through life's challenges, right, that there's, there's times that I feel like I could spiritually, I mean, I could fight giants. There's times it's, I feel like I'm just unmovable. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. And then all of a sudden these things will come, and I'm, they're not strongholds. They're not spiritual attacks. It's just life. Yeah. Right. I'm just behind because of my decisions or, or things I did in the past and I'm, I'm catching up. But it's just it, it, to, to me, it, it seems that um, I want to I want to get to the point where you just walk through life like walking through a wind tunnel or like water off a duck's back where these things have no effect on you. That's not I don't think that that's not am I, that's not possible, is it? I'm never going to get there. Right. No. Um there, there are some things, Dennis, that you, you will get to the point where it's the water off a duck's back, but there's other things much deeper that will never be off of water off of your back like a duck. It, it, but there's a reason for it, Dennis. It's a, it's a reason that you need to learn about this. You need to spot it. And every time you see it, you will feel it. He wants you to feel it. Why? Because at some point, you're going to turn around and teach that to someone else that went through it. So, but, but, but what, why does he want you to fill it, Dennis? Why would he want any of you to fill it? I want you to feel the pain of what it, what's that? First what? Yes, you're going to persevere, but, but you're gonna, I want you to experience the pain. Most people run from the pain. They don't want to experience the pain. They try to get away from the pain. But why does he want you to experience the pain? The fellowship with the sufferings of Christ. Why is it necessary that you feel that pain so stinking deep that's about to kill you. You know, won't forget, but there's something else. It's just not for you. It's not for you just alone. What is it for? I have to be able to feel others' pain, so I have to feel my own pain. And if I can feel my own pain, then I can feel other people's pain, which means I can go past just sympathy. I can go to empathy which is far more greater a connector than just, well, I've never been through that, but I can sympathize with you. It's another thing saying, I know what that pain feels like, I felt it, and I'm with you. I, know, I totally get you on the pain level. 
Now, if you can empathize, then you can connect. Okay? Why is that important? Because if you can't empathize and you don't know how to empathize, you will never be able to disciple people properly. You always have a gap between you and them because you can't feel their pain. Now, there's people on purpose that don't want to feel pain, and what they do is bury pain, but you know what happens? They can't connect to anybody. They can't connect. So, you, you know, you could tell them your problems, and they're like, uh-huh, okay, uh-huh. Um, hey, did you watch the football game last night? Have <laughs> you ever noticed someone like that? They can't connect. You know why? The person doesn't want to feel their own pain. God wants you to feel the pain of suffering so deep that gives you the ability to disciple someone on a deeper level than just mere content that you actually can identify with them. And this is what the problem is sometimes in marriages. The spouse doesn't know how to empathize with their spouse. So they're disconnected. And because of that disconnection, they have communication problems. It's not that they can't communicate, it's that they can't empathize. If you have the ability to empathize, you can actually understand people. You hear, you hear where they're coming from. You feel their pain. You understand why they say what they're saying. You understand why they're doing what they're doing. Even though it might be wrong, you still can understand it. And that's all a person wants is you to have the ability, do you get me? That's it. If you can have that kind of relationship, do you get me? Then you'll connect. So God just didn't take me through the pain because he wanted to teach me something. He wants me to go and teach you that so I can tell you how to do it, tell you what to experience and tell you what it's gonna feel like and tell you what you're gonna have to do. It's to give out to others. So the pain you feel, don't avoid it because if you avoid it, then you're not gonna be able to help someone else. You're limited in what you're doing. So that's why you don't wanna run. That's why you don't wanna just you know, drug yourself up that you don't feel anything. You don't do that. Why did Jesus refuse to take myrrh on the cross? Why did he refuse it? Remember? What's that? So he would feel the pain and it wouldn't dull his senses. Now he took the wine vinegar, right? But the other one had, um, you know, the chemicals in it that would actually dull the pain. And he refused that. He needed to feel our pain to be a sympathetic high priest. So no one on earth or ever has existed that can come to Jesus. You don't know what I feel like. Oh no, no, he does. He does, yeah, I know your pain. And, and he knows it infinitely more. So that's where it comes down to with this whole thing about Smyrna. You persevere through it so that you can give back and pay it forward to someone else that's gonna suffer so that you can teach them how to suffer as well. That's the whole point. So this is how you turn a negative persecution from Satan into a positive. You turn a persecution into a test. And then that's how you can flip it on Satan. You won't be able to stop what Satan does to you. I mean, if God's allowing him, he'll do it. He'll, he'll try to take you out if God allows it. But again, your reaction determines whether that will be your downfall or just simply a test. And I hope it's a test that it doesn't stop you. Okay, any other questions? Okay, go ahead. Um, not a question, a little bit of an observation of what you're saying about broad, sure. uh, broad, uh, sorry, broad spray, you know, broad, 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 broad stroke, but also what you were just covering, 
what came to my mind was uh, Matthew 24, verse 12 and 13. It says, Then many false prophets will arise and deceive many, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Mm-hmm. And that's the risk, is letting your love grow cold and get offended easy. And, yeah. And, and, and it uh, says, But he who endures to the end shall be saved or direct. Yeah, you know, you, it's a good point you're making on, and, and uh, for instance, um, I'll be in counseling and people will say, I, I can never love again after I got burned. You know, you know, the spouse burns them or somebody like that. Well, I can never love again because they, they won't risk being connected anymore, right? They, they got burned, right? And a lot of times it's really bad and you understand it. But then what they do is what he's, Larry said, they do the broad brush well, I'm just not going to love again. I'm not going to. I'm not going to risk it anymore. And that person doesn't risk it. Okay, they won't be hurt anymore, but they will not experience love ever again. They'll they'll experience love on agape, Philadelphia level, or whatever, and storge. But they they but but maybe even not that because they will always hold themselves back from the relationship because they don't want to give too much because. In, in, in fear of that they're going to get burned again. So they will hold themselves back. So have you ever been around people that you like can't connect to? They're holding themselves back. They don't want to connect. Okay? And they're, 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 they're penalizing themselves for what someone did to them by withholding their ability to connect in a relationship. And they, they penalize the other people around them, but they penalize themselves. It's a very lonely place when you pull back and won't connect. It's a very lonely place to be. So that kind of person ends up getting into addictions because it's isolation and they don't know what to do with the isolation and the pain of it. So they got to turn to addiction to relieve the pain of the, of the addiction. But the key to the addiction is connect. But they don't want to take a risk in connecting because they don't get burned again. You see the pattern? So what's the point? How, how do you connect again and take a risk again? First off, we have to determine why I was in a bad relationship and what was I blind to because I don't want that same guy or same gal. And if you can learn about that, then the next relationship will be way more healthy because you learned what not to do. You learned what to look for and you learned about your blind spot. And so you can take another risk and they're, they're just all pigs, are, you know, all men are not pigs and all women are not witches and yeah, there are good people, but you have to learn how to spot them and you haven't learned. So in that sense, yes, I can understand why you wouldn't want to take a risk. You haven't learned about yourself. Questions? Right there. Yes, ma'am. Hi. Um, can you help me understand how y- what you said about how um, you can be a Christian and wicked? I don't understand how, I don't understand. It's a hard one, huh? It's above me. Oh, yeah. Boy, howdy. Well, here's the thing that we all understand. Christians shouldn't act that way, right? We all would agree they shouldn't act that way. But unfortunately, as you know, even if we are saved, what do we do? We possess a sin nature, right? And if we decide to obey the sin nature, that sin nature will take you farther than you wanted to go in the sin. You will be shocked um, in the years of counseling how wicked couples can be towards each other. I mean, really wicked. 
I mean, st- stuff that y- you would never know on Sunday morning. And you're like, you did what? And I have to, I have to pretend like it's the fr- it doesn't bother me. But in my mind, I'm like, oh my gosh. What happened? I won't do it to you if I'm counseling with you, but... Um, <laughs> But Kathy, I have seen some of the things you could not possibly believe that Christians would do to each other. But they do. Because when it's, especially in a marriage, it's like all the theology goes out the door. It's all emotion, it's anger, it's driven by all this rage, and it gets really, really bad. Um, years ago, 20 years ago, I remember in a situation I was in uh, counseling. And uh, the, guy, the guy caught his wife cheating, okay? And uh, she had been doing it for a prolonged period of time at work and with another guy and yada, yada, yada. But all at the same time that this was happening, she was always accusing him of cheating on her. Isn't it funny, like in the left, like, like they accuse you of doing what they do? Okay, so, so that's what was happening. Then it all came out, oh, he's, uh, she did this. Well, when the divorce started happening, her retaliation towards him, is she created a lie. And the lie was, he's a child molester. So she went to the guy's business, went to the guy's church, and told everybody, he's a child molester. He's molesting my kids. That's how wicked they get. I know, I know, I know, Kathy, I know. But the problem is I can't see their heart. Is, there, is it a possibility they're not a Christian? Yeah, because they could be a tear among the wheat. That's possible, and I, I reserve that category. But then I also know the, that carnal believers in Corinth church were carnal. Then you got worldly believers. So I have to figure out, you know, they're in one of those categories. It, I mean, it, it, guys, if you studied the Corinth church, they were, they were crazy. They were absolutely crazy, right? Have you ever read 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians? They're out of their minds. I mean, the one old boy, he was uh, hooking up with his stepmom, and everyone was like celebrating it. Isn't that wonderful? He's with his stepmom. And this, Paul called them a believer, and the, and the reason I know he's a believer because Paul said to excommunicate him. He wouldn't have excommunicated a, uh, an unbeliever. He excommunicated a real believer. And, and so when you look at that and you're like, oh my gosh, you see it in the Bible. You can't believe it. So I know it's a hard pill to swallow. So yeah, you have to reserve the categories. Reserve the category. Yeah, it could be a tear. could be not even saved, right? But then it could be carnal. could be Laodicean. could be uh, worldly. It just depends. The problem is I can't see the heart. So I can't make a judgment call. So I have to take them on their what? Profession. They profess to be Christian, right? Um, but yeah, maybe some of them are not. I, you know, it, I don't know. But when the stakes are up, guys, if the couple is immature, then all bets are off. They will go for the jugular on all of it. If they have to lie to the judge, if they have to lie to the court, they have no problem doing it. If they have to sue for all they have and, and ruin the individual, they will do it. It's, it's, it's like nothing holds them back. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. 
when, especially in divorce cases or whatnot. It, it just, it's Katie bar the door. It's, it's like, I can't believe I'm seeing what I'm seeing. You would think Christians wouldn't act that way, but I don't know, man. I, I've seen some weird stuff. Anywho, good question though, Kathy. Thanks for joining us for another lesson. We hope that this message is a blessing for you and helps you grow towards a more mature understanding of God's Word. For more information about our ministry, we invite you to check out our website at rockharborchurch.net. Until next time, remember, keep looking up for our redemption draws near.